Hi friends, uh, it is so good to be able to come again and to dive into the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, as we have been doing over the last few weeks as we've been working our way through our current teaching series uh, that we have called Sit, Walk, Stand. That title we have taken from a book of the same title by Watchman Nee and in his Sit, Walk, Stand, Watchman Nee just so helpfully uh, just kind of shows us the, the journey that Paul takes the church on through his writing and through his instruction uh, and starting off the first half of it really is about what God has done for us in Christ and who he's made us to be and how we're to rest in that so that's where the sitting comes in and then from chapter four onwards he speaks about okay then so how does that impact the way in which we live and how we walk what does it look like to live a life that is worthy of the gospel and the calling to which we've been called and then towards the end of the letter and towards the end of the series, we'll find out what Paul had to say about what it is to stand. But we're now, uh, over the last few weeks, we've moved into from the sitting section uh, into the walking section and what Paul says about what our lives are to look like or what the lives are to look like of those who have put their faith and trust uh, in Jesus and are resting in what he has done. And we've again looked over that over the last couple of weeks and we're going to continue that today. We're going to be in chapter 4 uh, and verse 17. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, if you've got it to hand, just grab it uh, and, and, re and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Maybe you just need to hit pause quickly uh, and go and do that. But we're going to read now from verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to take our time and just allow Paul's words to, we're just going to sit in them and, and just allow them to kind of settle in our hearts and our minds. This is what Paul writes. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that, they, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So as I mentioned, we're now <coughs> kind of well into what Paul was wanting to instruct the church and encourage the church in, in terms of uh, how their lives are to look. And we see this real contrast in these, in these verses and in this section between the old self and the new self, the old life 
and the new life. How in Christ the, the old ways of living are now incompatible to the life that we have been called to. And Paul starts by speaking about the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are those who aren't Jewish. And remember, we're, we're, Paul is writing to a church made up of believers who really were, were from kind of Gentile backgrounds and Gentile uh, experiences and but they, they've come and they've put their faith and trust in Jesus and they've come together in the local church and so when Paul is writing he's saying look you're, you're no longer to live to no longer to walk in the way that the Gentiles do he's saying yeah don't live the way that those around you live uh, but he's also saying this is the way that you once lived as well and how the way that you once lived is now not the way that you are to live because of what Christ has done in you and for you and Paul says he says that actually you're not to walk the way that the Gentiles do because they're they're alienated from God because their their understanding is darkened they don't understand what it is to live a life for God or to live a life in fellowship with him or to live a life uh, that, that that is pleasing to God uh, and that their hearts have been hardened towards the gospel and that actually the way that they're living uh, they, they that that's the way that they understand life to be and and how to live but then paul says but actually that's not the way that you've learned christ that's not the way that you have now understood what life is to be when you've heard and been taught of who jesus is and of what he has done of how the truth is found in jesus and actually so you know that the old way of living and the old way of being is not the way that you are now called to live. It doesn't fit with you anymore. You're to put off the old self and you're to put on the new self. Now, when I was walking into town a little earlier this morning, I saw something that just really caught my attention. And I was walking past a tattoo shop and as I was walking past, uh, someone walked out with something in their hands. Then as they got out of the shop, they opened their hands and a butterfly flew out. And to me, it, it, I just thought it was quite, um, just really caught my attention, the thought of a butterfly. You know, something that we would look at and see the colour and the pattern and the intricacy and uh, and, and just the, the beauty of creation within going into a going into a tattoo shop. You know, I don't know what, a tat, what kind of tattoo a butterfly would get. I know some people get tattoos of butterflies, so maybe a butterfly would have a tattoo of a person. I don't know, but... Uh, just it just seemed quite a funny thought to me the idea of a ta of a butterfly going in and getting tattooed and what I'm going to say now really isn't I'm not really wanting to speak on tattoos as such but you know when when someone would have a tattoo it, it covers over what is there already it's a laying over of what is already there but also a way in which uh, you're able to to present what you want people to see and, and how you want people how you want to appear to people and what you want to present um, present to them. And when Paul is talking about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, a lot of what we've just read is he's saying, look, this is how you once lived and this is how you are now to live. We have these contrasts. This is what you were like, but this is now what you're called to. And what we really need to understand and what Paul so helpfully understands, and because he's laid the foundations in the first three chapters of what God has done for us through Jesus, what we have to be sure we don't fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, like a tattoo kind of would, would cover up what's already there. This new way of living is not to cover up our old life. It's not there to cover up our old sins or to cover up our guilt and our shame. 
because that's already been dealt with by Jesus. And likewise, th- this way of living that we're called to isn't to, to present to people how we want to appear and, and what we want them to see, to appear impressive or for our lives to look like we've, we've kind of got it together and, and, and I want this life that I'm living to look pleasing to God, but I want it to look pleasing to others as, as well. Actually, that's not the place that Paul's coming from. Actually, you know, just as we were to look at a butterfly and to look at and see that the beauty of what's already been created and just want to enjoy the, the, the butterfly just, just being who it's made to be and what it's made to be. So actually, when we come and we live in this way that Paul is calling the church to, to live, actually, we're saying, look, this is actually about living out who God has made you to be. About expressing, actually, who God has called you and made you to be. Paul says this, to put on the new self that has been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Actually, in, in, in Jesus and in what Jesus has done, uh, actually, we, we, we carry his righteousness and his righteousness and his holiness has been credited to us. And so actually, when we live in this way that Paul is calling us to, we're living out the identity that we have been given in Christ. We're living out the fullness of who Christ has called us to be. Phil Moore puts it this way in his commentary uh, on his Straight to the Heart series. He says he doesn't actually tell them to become godly at all. He tells them that they are already godly through the gospel and that their challenge is simply to live out who they already are. Since they already sit in the heavenlies with Jesus and since Jesus already dwells with them on earth, they merely need to let their, heaven, let their heavenly identity transform their earthly lifestyle. This isn't about covering something up. It's not about striving and living in this way so that we become godly, so that we, we deal with our sin or our guilt or our shame or we present ourselves in such a way that makes ourselves acceptable to God or to others. It's not that. We've already been made godly through the gospel through Jesus and our challenge now is to live out who we already are. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says that therefore if anyone's anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away and behold the new has come. And so when we live within the new self Actually, we're living out this, the fullness of this identity that we have been brought into, that Jesus has brought us into. Just like we would say to that butterfly, actually just, just kind of uh, j- just reflect and express how it is that you've been created to be. We would say actually in Christ, we just want to live out who we have now been made to be in him. So we need to make sure that our that, that, that we're understanding where this call is coming from. We haven't moved on from sitting. We're there, we're, we're sat with Christ and what he's done for us. And because of that, because of who he's made us to be, therefore our lives look different. Because that old, that old way of living, that old way of being, the old self is, is, is done away with. It's incompatible with who we now are in Christ but we live in that time don't we that period of the the now and the not yet of where our identity is fully secured and rooted in Christ and we're seated with him 
in heavenly places and yet we still have those daily struggles and, and temptations and decisions to make. But with the Holy Spirit's help, we grow ever more into the likeness of Christ, into the likeness of Jesus. Beth Moore, seems to just be quoting anyone called Moore today, but Beth Moore, she's a, a, an author and Bible teacher from America. She says that Jesus is the point of the gospel. Growing in likeness to Jesus by transformation of the spirit from glory to glory is the point of discipleship. Jesus is not the means to an end goal of doctrinal knowledge, but growing in scripture is a means toward the end goal of knowing Jesus. You see, when Paul speaks about the Gentiles, he speaks about them being darkened in their understanding, how uh, um, there's ignorance within them. They don't understand. They don't see the truth. And we can think, therefore, that actually what what it what 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 Paul's talking about is, is about understanding and about knowledge. But actually, when talking about the impact of that in terms of how we live, we realize that it's so much more than just what we would what. Uh, what doctrinal knowledge or understanding we would have actually it's about growing ever more into the likeness of Jesus like Beth Moore said Jesus is the point of the gospel see the Christian life is not about just adding Jesus on top of what's already there it's not just about that that understanding actually or, or that knowledge actually it's about growing ever more in the likeness of Jesus and we see that again in so much of what Paul's saying here where the, we see this contrast of the old self which very much is, is where we are king of our own lives and he speaks doesn't he about, about greed and, and, and selfish, uh, selfish desires and, and we look at the, the way that the old life that he, that, he, that he shows us and it is about what is pleasing to us and what can we get and and, and making sure that our needs are met and our opinions are heard and all of those sorts of things. And yet that stands in contrast to the life that we're now called to because there's been a, there's been a, a change where we no longer live for ourselves, but actually we live for Christ. Where he becomes Lord and King of our lives. And that's what we see. And so much of that is outworked in the way in which we are with others. Remember, when, when Jesus was asked about what the greatest commandment was, he says the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that you have. And the second one is like it, it's to love your neighbour as yourself. And so as we grow more and more in our Christ-likeness, what we find is that not only are we wanting to live lives that are pleasing to God and, 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 and to live lives of love towards God, but it works its way out in how we love others as well. And again, we see that in what Paul lays out in terms of what this new life looks like. It's about how we are with other people. And so actually as we are transformed by the Spirit from one degree of glory to another, growing in likeness of Jesus, it works its way out in how we engage with others, in how we treat others, in how we serve others, in how we love others. Where the old self that seemed kind of really preoccupied with with ourselves now actually we live with Jesus as Lord and King of our lives. And we find just the, that just that, that order is shifted. It's 
not just about knowledge. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about becoming more like him. Just a few thoughts, really, that I've had, just in terms of what it looks like then for the, uh, to live in this way, what it looks like for us to live uh, with Jesus as Lord and how it impacts the way that we are with, with one another and with others. One of the things that really stood out to me and struck me was um, Paul speaks about speaking truth. He also speaks about no corrupting talk coming out of your mouths. And uh, I was reminded of in Matthew twelve thirty four, Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, so often we can be so focused on kind of, if you like, the, the end product, what it is that that comes that it, what it is that that comes out of us and how we behave. And we can think that this is just a matter of behavior modification. And, and actually, we need to take a few steps back and realize that so much what actually what comes out of us in terms of our, our words and our actions comes out of what is within us and what is in our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I just really want us to consider, actually, to live this life that God has called us to, that Paul is uh, just making the, the church aware of and calling them to. We really need to consider what's going on inside. You see, the radical change that Paul is calling the church to, the radical change from the old self to the new self, from old ways of thinking, to new ways of thinking, from old ways of, of speaking to new ways of speaking, from old ways of being to new ways of being requires nothing less than the gospel. The gospel in terms of how that initial moment where we put our faith and trust in Jesus and respond to the gospel and our hearts are changed, our hearts that were hard are brought to, are, are brought to life. But also that daily ongoing living in the goodness and fullness of the gospel not moving away from it not shifting away from it but pressing ever more into the life that Jesus has called us to but I think as well we also need to be aware of 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 what we're what we're filling ourselves with of what we're consuming and what we're bringing in because that very much shapes what comes out one of the things I remember from science at school was we would speak about processes and inputs and, and outputs and how what comes in affects what comes out and if we're wanting to live these lives and if we're looking to live these lives kind of in line with who God has called us to be and who God has made us to be where we're loving others and where we're speaking truth and where we're not looking out for ourselves and but looking for opportunities to share with anyone in need where we're uh, looking to to, to, to build others up, to give grace uh, to others and all of these things that he's calling us to. Actually, we need to think about what, what's coming in and what we're filling ourselves and what we're consuming. And I'm not saying this in any sort of legalistic way at all. Uh, and, you know, that's completely the opposite to, to what we've been, been looking at over these last few weeks. But we need to really seriously consider what we're taking in and what we are consuming. Are we allowing ourselves to think upon things that are true? Are we dwelling on the gospel? What are we watching? What are we hearing? 
Who are we engaging with? What environments are we putting ourselves in? Are they places that are going to do us good and affect our heart and impact our heart in a, in a good way? So that what then comes out of our hearts lines up with this new life. All of us will have different sensitivities. All of us will have different areas of, of weakness, things that we struggle with. Uh, we'll have things that, that um, we know we need to, to stay away from to a degree that perhaps others don't. But we all really need to think about and consider what it is that we're, that we're taking in, what it is that we're consuming, because it's very easy to be shaped by what is around us. TV, social media... Uh, groups that we're a part of people that we're around environments that we're in because we'll be shaped by them they will they will have an impact on us i just really want to encourage us let's think about actually if we're wanting to see these godly things come out of us in terms of our speech and of our action then we need to also consider what we're taking in just going back to what beth moore shared in that quote that i shared that actually that scripture is a means to the end goal of knowing Jesus. If we want to become more like Jesus, if we want our lives to reflect more and more of who Jesus is, then we need to be in the word. We need to be taking that in. We need to be in prayer. We need to be engaging with God and listening for his voice above all. I know I've shared this a number of times over the last few weeks. Um, and I think it's probably because it's something I really feel that God is highlighting in my life. But how do we start our day? How do we end our day? Are we giving him the first and the last word? Or when we wake up, are we straight on social media or the news or, or whatever it might be? Because the thing is, actually, we're then giving those things the opportunity to shape us, to set us up for the day to even set our mood for the day and our outlook for the day? Or do we start with the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word and the truth of fellowship and communion with him? And again, I'm not saying this to, at all in a legalistic way, but just for us to really consider what are we giving ourselves to? What are we opening ourselves up to? What voices are we listening to? Philippians 4 verse 8 I think is so helpful on this this is Paul again but writing now to the church in Philippi he says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honor honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise think about these things so if we want our lives to evermore reflect Jesus, if we want our lives not to be characterised by bitterness and anger, but actually with kindness, uh, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, uh, with truth, then actually we need to give ourselves to, to thinking on those things, to dwelling in those things, to opening ourselves up to those things, allowing our hearts to be renewed and our minds to be renewed and shaped by the Holy Spirit uh, and, and through um, and, and yeah through through what we give ourselves to through what we we are feeding on 
as well. I just want to finish with this really. I think one of the verses that really most arrested my heart and my attention and what Paul shared is verse 30 he says, which I think really is a great summary of, of everything that we've been looking at. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What he's saying there really is don't, don't live in a way that is contrary to the work of the Spirit in our lives. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't stop the Holy Spirit from producing within you the fruit and the character and, and the behavior that, is, that, that, that we are, are called to. Don't give ourselves to the old self. but Let's give ourselves to the new self. Put off the old and put on the new daily. Let the Holy Spirit work within you Partner with him in working in your life and outworking that in the lives of others as well. But let's also remember what God has done for us in Christ. All the riches that we've received, forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. And actually just as God in Christ has shown us all those things. Let's be quick and just so open and generous to display in all of those things to others as well. That we would love God well and we would love others well. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for what you have done for us in Christ. I want to thank you, Lord, that we can even only speak about what it looks like to live in this new way because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Lord, that in you we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. We say, Lord, would you help us to live lives that are compatible with this, with the new self. To live with Jesus as Lord of our lives. Say, Holy Spirit, would you be renewing our minds? Would you be softening our hearts? That we would love you well, and that we would love others well, that we would serve others well. Would you help us daily to keep coming back to the gospel? Would you help us daily to keep coming back to the truth and the wonder of what you've done for us in Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name.